One way to get into an insights career is through graduate school. Before getting my MBA, I looked at a lot of different graduate programs and quickly learned that a good conversation with the right person was often more helpful than a ton of online research. In that spirit, I'm launching a mini-series on how to select the right marketing research graduate program. Most episodes in this mini-series will include an in-depth interview with a program director to learn more about each program and trends in research today. This episode will discuss client versus supplier side roles, salary expectations, and the key skills needed to succeed in an insights career today. This is Digging for Insights, the marketing research podcast for insights professionals and businesses looking to deeply understand their customers so they can grow. I'm Stephen Griffiths, a Fortune 500 corporate researcher. Join me as we talk with experts about inspiring case studies, career advice, and research methods that will lead to growth. This episode is with Dr. Marcus Cunha Jr., the director of the University of Georgia's Masters of Marketing Research program. That program, also known as the UGA MMR, or Masters of Marketing Research, was the first such program in the United States and continues to be a prestigious institution in the world of insights. Marcus, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Stephen. You know, I wanted to start things off by understanding a little bit about you. Could you briefly tell me about your career journey that's led you to the role that you have now? Sure. When the, uh, your audience hears me, they might be thinking, based on my accent, that I'm from Mississippi or Alabama. <laughs> I'm actually from Brazil. So in Brazil, I was a undergraduate research assistant to a professor who uh, did his um, doctorate program in uh, France in information system. And his advisor there had developed a marketing research software called LaySphinx. It's very not very popular here in the United States, but it's very popular in Europe. And uh, his um, advisor, when, uh, when um, my advisor in Brazil came back from his doctorate, uh, he was offered the uh, opportunity to distribute the software in Brazil. So as part of this um, process, I also uh, ended up doing my master's um, in marketing there in Brazil while working with this company distributing the software. And I did a lot of training uh, in marketing research because a lot of companies buy this kind of software, but they don't have the skills to uh, to get people to work on this uh, kind of um, software. So, but at that point, I also decided I wanted to follow my dream of an academic career. So I came to the United States and got my PhD in marketing with an emphasis in consumer behavior from the University of Florida. From there, I, I be, um, my first job was uh, as a faculty at the University of Washington in Seattle. And then in 2010, uh, University of Georgia recruited me to uh, come here and to join the MMR program. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to move is because of the MMR program. Gotcha. Makes sense. So speaking of the MMR program, can you give us just a quick uh, overview? If you had to tell someone in a couple of minutes of what the MMR program is and what it does, that would be great. Mm -hmm. So uh, the MMR program was um, from the University of Georgia was the first program of this nature to be founded. And it was founded in um, the late 70s. with the goal of creating the skills that were becoming necessary, given that companies like Coca-Cola and Nielsen now had all this data from scanners, 
from grocery stores, but they didn't feel like they had the skills to analyze that data. So they endowed our program to start training marketing researchers so they could make use of all the data that was becoming uh, available. So since then, we are now turning this year um, 40 uh, years old. We have our research summit to celebrate that at the end of the year. And we have built a very strong equity uh, in the market, given the quality of the students that we bring in and train and um, the quality of the work they can do uh, on a daily basis. That's great. And could you describe a little bit of your role specifically with the MMR program? So I am the program director and the graduate coordinator for the program. So I see my role a little bit as a football coach in college, where I try to recruit and attract the best talent I can get. And we have the best coaches here to train them in terms of methods and skills for marketing research. And then I prepare them to go to the pros, so where they go get their jobs. Also, as part of my goal is to stay connected with the uh, with the industry. So I am uh, constantly connected with uh, companies that use marketing research or generate or supply marketing research in order to make sure that not only they hire our students, but also that I am uh, up to date with the needs of the curriculum. That makes sense. Very cool. And do you continue to have academic responsibilities during this time, or are you solely focused on recruiting, training, and placing students from the MMR program? Yeah, no, I'm also a, a professor. I teach in the MMR program, and I also teach uh, MBAs and PhD students. And I, I work on academic research as well. Gotcha. Well, that's great. You know, given your rich experience working with the industry closely, could you describe a little bit of what skills are currently um, sought after in the marketing research industry? Mm -hmm. I think uh, what companies are looking for today, it's a uh, combination of hard skills and soft skills. So for example, in terms of hard skills, methods. Okay. So what, do, uh, you know, what kind of methodology students learn and can think about it in terms of applying for solving research problems? Uh, they also want people that understand analysis. You know, they understand what kind of uh, analysis should be employed for each uh, type of uh, research problem. But they also want more and more uh, soft skills. You know, they want people that can uh, get the data and make it visual. So data visualization is a very important skill these days. And another uh, skill that I think is becoming very important, it's a uh, consulting skills. You know, our students are trained to not only uh, decide on a methodology, collect the data and analyze the data, but also say, okay, so now what's the decision? Okay, so I ran a statistical test, it's significant. Then what's my decision? Do I choose, uh, you know, alternative A or alternative B? And if I choose that alternative, what are the costs uh, that, you know, stem from from that choice. Interesting. And so you mentioned sounds like these soft skills, the consulting skills, the data visualization. Do you see those as as growing more quickly or being more in demand than they were before? Or what other skills do you see being more in demand now than maybe previously? I think those are that are the ones that are more in demand. I think like marketing researchers used to be, you know, 
that uh, guy or girl in the back of the room crunching numbers to give to somebody, uh, you know, a brand manager to try to figure out what to do with that. I think nowadays the marketing researcher has more of a role of, you know, providing uh support for uh, the decisions that are being made in terms of marketing and branding. That makes sense. I think the term I've heard used, the term I've heard used a lot is having a seat at the table. Yes. So that you're not just providing data, but you're trying to be an active consultant, as you say, to make an informed decision. Yes. So I, I, I didn't want to use that term because I think it's becoming like buzzword bingo, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. sit at the table, storytelling, you know, so <laughs> But and they say that yeah, storytelling is basically like consulting skills, telling a story in a way that persuades people. I give this example to my students. Um, when uh, politicians are running campaigns, they don't go in front of TV and say, "Do you know that five percent of single mothers in Ohio uh, have to work three jobs to make ends meet?" Right? Because that's like those numbers are not very uh, storytelling. However, you always see a politician go on TV and say, hey, I met Mary. Mary is a single mother in Ohio. Mary has to work three jobs to be able to uh, feed Sally, her daughter. Mary could be the only case in Ohio that uh, of a single mother that needs to do that. But that is so much more compelling because people can put faces to a story than talking about 5% of the single mothers. And in some ways, maybe it's more accurate. If you're trying to capture the full human experience, you do want to understand how each individual is experiencing it versus just 5% on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. You know, as you think about your program and you're trying to teach these critical skills to your students, which of the skills do you find are the hardest to teach? Uh, definitely the soft skills. Uh, the hard skills with enough repetition and enough foundational work, people are going to learn how to do cross tabs, run regressions, uh, run conjoint analysis. The soft skills, to some extent, we, we train students to acquire those skills. And you can see, you know, a significant improvement from the day they start to the end. But some people just have that more naturally than others. Good. I'm, I'm also curious. I know... The companies that recruit from the MMR program, you have both client-side companies as well as supplier-side companies. Mm -hmm. Do you find that the skills required at both of them are the same, or how do they differ? I think on the client side, uh, so just to, to become uh, clear uh, to, our, uh, to our audience, uh, client companies are usually the brands you're going to re recognize, the Coca-Colas, the Chick-fil-A's. Uh, and the supplier are the agencies that generate research. They are also some, some of them are large companies, uh, such as Ipsos and Nielsen. And, but, um, not many of those names are, um, household names. So on the supplier side, uh, people will be doing more hands-on, uh, data management and, um, data analysis and producing decks to present uh, the results of the research to the clients. On the client side, uh, it's more of like a research management process where uh, on the client side, if I work for Coca-Cola and I'm in their insights group, 
my client is an internal client. My client is the brand manager for soft drinks. So, uh, so my job then is to manage the needs of that internal client, okay, and uh, manage the process of research with my supplier. So I, I talk to my uh, internal client, my brand manager. I understand the research problem, and then I think about which methods methods would help us to uh, solve those problems. Then I contact a few suppliers that I believe are able to deliver that kind of um, results. And then after choosing the supplier, I manage that research process. I get the data from the supplier, I get the presentation from the supplier, I digest that and I feed to my uh, brand manager. So as I could, so I would say like, if um, a student wants more beyond like the data analysis side, uh, side developing uh, questionnaires or developing experiments, then supplier side would be the way to go. If a student is more focused on like, you know, the, the broader aspect of research, I wanted to understand how research can help my business to improve, then uh, client side is a better fit. I know your program has a lot of statistics and, you know, as you've talked about conjoint and regression and things like that. For those who are super interested, the nitty gritty there, it sounds like the supplier side is maybe a better fit versus those who want to see the bigger picture. Is that more client side? Is that one way to think about it? Uh, yes. So the people that really like the methods class, they tend to go to supplier side. And we also have uh, courses like my own courses, advertising and promotion uh, management. We have um, a course on consumer um, management and insights. So those are the courses that are more like soft skills related. And people that tend to like those courses better, they tend to be more client-side type of uh, students. So changing gears a little bit here, I want to talk about the educational opportunities for those who are seeking to go into marketing research or a related career field. Could you talk a little bit about the overall? So if I just graduated from undergrad, what kind of options are available to me for a graduate marketing degree? Okay. So I would say, um, so traditionally MBAs were the way to go and uh, usually people will need uh, some experience before they can uh, join a good MBA program. Uh, but more recently, we see uh, a proliferation of uh, Masters of Marketing degrees and uh, Masters in Business Analytics. Master mm -hmm. of Marketing degrees, I think I think if somebody has an undergrad in business, um, it, it will not be uh, the best choice because a lot of the things will overlap with what they already learned in, uh, in their undergrad. However, if you had an undergrad in, let's say, in English, and you want to acquire some business skills or marketing skills that will allow you to get a job, then it makes sense to do a Master of Marketing. The business analytics programs are mostly focused on this idea of um, managing and extracting insights from a massive data, uh, uh, data set. So what people refer to, to big data. So usually those are people that ha um, have uh, skills like programming skills to manage massive database, to create dashboards and develop apps that will help um, people make decisions based on massive uh, uh, data sets. Think about like 
how many uh, grocery store transactions we have every day. I was talking to the vice president of Catalina. Uh, they do a lot of uh, they, uh, data collection and analysis for retailers. He's saying he was telling me that these days they're collecting two billion data points a day. So uh, imagine what's necessary in terms of computing power and programming to extract insights from from those kind of data sets. So those people, so usually people that have a background in information systems, computer science, and engineering, they tend to naturally uh, go to just uh, business analytics. Uh, Masters of marketing research are people that are interested in understanding consumer behavior. They want to understand why things are happening. Why? So we see that one product is selling better than other, but why is this happening? Okay, so they're more interested in human nature. So a lot of times, uh, we, uh, you know, we have students in our program that come from with backgrounds from uh, degrees such as sociology and psychology, uh, you know, because they are interested in understanding uh, human and consumer behavior. That makes sense. And then you mentioned a master's in marketing research, which is obviously what program you have. Who do you see as sort of the direct competitors with you guys for students that might not choose you or debating between a couple options? Who else is in that consideration set in terms of educational programs? Direct uh, competitors would be the uh, UT Arlington, uh, Southern, uh, Southern Illinois University, and Michigan State University. Uh, I know you are a graduate of the University of um, Wisconsin um, Madison um, MMR program, uh, but I don't think they compete directly with us because they are an MBA program, a two-year-long MBA program. So they are the kind of profile, uh, the kind of student they're looking for have a different profile than the ones we have. That makes sense. And then just to go into that student profile for a second, it sounds like most of your students are coming directly from undergrad, or do many of them have significant work experience before entering the MMR program? It's about 40 to 50 percent of our students come straight from undergrad, and the rest have uh, some experience. Some have relevant experience in research, and some have worked before and decide to change the path of their career, and they come to the MMR program. It sounds like your big focus is obviously on those who are there in person going through the MMR program. Are there online or other ways for people to get degrees without being there in Georgia? So, um, so there's two, I think there's two forms, uh, you know, of uh, to approach this, this subject or two ways. One of them is that I know that Michigan State University has an online program. I'm not exactly, uh, I don't exactly know how it works. But also, if you somebody is working in, and was put in a, a position of research, right? I've seen this many times, like throughout my teaching and like executive teaching. People say, "Well, I was in finance." They said, "You're good with numbers, so you should be doing marketing research." Right? <laughs> but then those people don't have these marketing research skills, and then they get that kind of education. Uh, so, one, um, if you are working and you cannot afford to quit your job to do a, a MMR uh, program, uh, there, there are options such as the MRII, the Marketing Research Institute International, where they have online certificates 
uh, in, in marketing research. I would guess those would only grow over time as online education seems to be growing right now. Yeah. Okay. Super helpful. Thank you for giving that quick overview of the lay of the land for education. I think that's big. You know, talking a little bit, changing gears into salary, you know, a lot of people are thinking, hey, do I really want to get a graduate degree? Is it worth it? Could you talk a little bit about what salary expectations graduates of your one-year program can have as they leave? Sure. Earlier, we were talking about supplier and uh, client companies. There is a, a gap in terms of salary between supplier and clients. Clients tend to pay more than suppliers. They tend to be also larger uh, corporations. So for somebody straight out of the undergrad, after doing a, our program, our 11-month program, uh, they should expect a salary in the range from Fifty-five to seventy thousand uh, dollars. Just that's just base salary. You know, there's like signing bonuses, and there's also um, you know bonuses, uh, yearly bonuses, which can range from six to twelve uh, percent. Uh, on the client side, the uh, salary range would be between seventy and eighty-five thousand dollars base salary. Also, you should expect if somebody had like a two or three years of um, relevant experience, let's say in research, you could expect that, you know, that range would extend by five to $10,000 more. You could get 75 to 80 on the supplier side and you could get um, 90 to 95 on the client side. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, some big upside there. Yeah. I also, I think one thing that's important to um, to think about is that it's a great ROI for a one-year program. You might be getting out of your undergrad and getting an offer that would be like maybe 35, 40, or 45, you know, but then you do a one-year program or 11-month program, and then your, your new base salary is $85,000. Another thing that's important to um, for prospective students to focus on is that, okay, even though you might have an attractive offer out of the undergrad, let's say forty-five, dollars or $55,000, but what's the ceiling on that salary? Right? With an undergrad, undergraduate degree, maybe you can get to 70, 75, but you, know, you cannot break that ceiling unless you have a graduate degree. So the, the ceiling... Uh, that an MMR degree provides is much, much higher than uh, anything you can get for an undergrad program. Can you talk a little about that? So if someone graduates, you told me your salary range is what they can expect. What about three or five or more years down the road? How does that salary progress? Yeah. So we do a survey with like a recent grads uh, from a year and a half to three year and a half out of, out of the program. And what we've seen is that, um, on average, uh, salaries are growing around eight to nine percent a year, uh, with higher growth on the client side than on the supplier side. More like closer to ten or eleven uh, on the client side, and six to eight on the supplier side. So, if you got a, um, you know, I've seen people that have graduated three years from our program. And their salary ranges were between 95 and 125. It's a pretty good ROI for just three years out of the program. <laughs> yes. So speaking of the program, you know, can you speak a little bit to what you feel differentiates the UGA MMR from some of the other folks you mentioned as education options? Mm -hmm. I think one 
think that we have more of a national profile than uh, most of these other programs. Uh, for example, uh, I know the UT Arlington, they place a lot of their students in the Dallas area. Uh, the SIUE program, they uh, place a lot of people in St. Louis, but we attract students and place students all over the country. Like just this, uh, you know, this class that just recently graduated, we have people placed, uh, of course, in Atlanta, but we also have people placed in North Carolina, uh, three people in New York City, uh, people uh, in Florida, people in LA, uh, people in Chicago. So, so we have a, a much more national profile. Uh, another thing that I think we have uh, as an advantage is that because we were the first program, we also have a very, very strong and large um, alumni network. With the graduating class of 2020, we'll have over 700 alums of the program, and they are really strongly connected to the program. And one of the reasons why, I mean, we have a mentorship program. We, we need people to sign up for that mentorship program. And, you know, we have a lot more people signing up than we have students. <laughs> uh, I think also that's a result of um, the fact that we are a cohort program. Students take all their course together. There are no other students from other, uh, for MBAs or any other program that take the course with them. So they really create a tight connection uh, among themselves and uh, with the program, which then later on helps because they wanna give back to the program and they wanna give back to other students. Makes sense. So a few other things that we have that, you know, I think are, are I'm not sure to what extent they're unique, but um, we have a year-long corporate project where the students uh, and the faculty mentor will work with a client company to own a research uh, problem, and the students will basically operate as a supplier for uh, for this company, where they're going to understand the problem, make suggestions about methodology, run the project, and then present that at the end of the, the academic year to the clients. We also have a dedicated uh, career fair where we basically have like a, almost a one-to-one -one ratio of companies per student that come to the career fair. And that's not the total uh, number of companies that recruit from our program. Uh, we have basically have like two or three companies per student that per student that try to recruit from our program. That's great. And how many students are in your program again? Right now, this class, we have 22. We just graduated a class of 26. And we the goal is always to stay below 30. Great. Can you talk a little bit about placement rates for your graduates? Yeah, we have a, a longstanding 100% uh, uh, placement rate where uh, all the students have a, a job uh, within three months from uh, graduation. Most of, a lot of times is... Uh, a month or a few weeks of after graduation, and sometimes even before graduation, the entire class is placed. Wow. With some students receiving, you know, multiple offers. Uh, we even have a rule now that you can only hold two offers at any given point because we have had students in the past that have like five or six offers and were taking a, a little time to make their decision. Uh, so now we have a rule that they can only hold two offers at any single point. 
Okay, helpful. I really like that you share those statistics. I think my understanding is that for MBA programs, it's very common to provide um, graduation and salary statistics. That's sort of a norm. Mm -hmm. I don't get that sense for one-year marketing graduate degrees. And so I'm glad that you can share those. And I think that's, it seems like something that people should be asking about a little bit more as they decide which program to enter into. So for those potential students who are listening to this podcast, could you maybe give a little advice of what you would recommend for them? What should they do to prepare for the program and how can they learn more about you? I think the first thing they need to, to think about is that, are they interested in consumer insights and marketing uh, research? Because that, that's going to be the first driver. And that's one of the reasons why companies love to come and recruit our students. It's, it is because they know our students are passionate about marketing research. Because a lot of times companies hire people for marketing research, but the, their passion is, for example, brand management. So they will stay within marketing research for a couple of years and they're going to try to move to the brand side of the company. It's not saying that that doesn't happen to our, some of our students. You know, some of them eventually go to the brand side uh, of the company. They will stay a long time within the insights uh, group. I would say if you are, so once you figure out that's what you want to do, try to find ways to gain uh, experience in research, even in, in academic uh, environments, get involved with projects, or offer to intern for a company and doing research. Because having that little bit of um, marketing research experience make your application to stand out and also make you a more desirable target for uh, companies that will be recruiting you later on. Great. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit more about the companies that recruit and the industries that recruit from the MMR program? Uh, sure. Uh, we have a wide range uh, of companies that recruit from the program. Um, some suppliers, we have, um, you know, large, very large suppliers that people might recognize, companies like Cantor, uh, Ipsos, and Nielsen. But we also have mid and uh, smaller size suppliers such as MMR Research Associates and Insights Consulting. On the client side, uh, I would say our top four industries that are recruited from the program are pharma, energy, uh, quick service restaurants, and retailers. So in terms of the companies that most heavily recruit from the MMR program, are on the client side are Eli Lilly, which is pharma, Duke Energy, uh, and from the supplier side, Cantar, uh, Ipsos, and Insights Consulting. So just to give an example, this past year, Eli Lilly took three of our students and Cantar took uh, two of our students. The previous year, Lilly took two students and Cantar took four of our students. It's great to have big companies that people recognize that consistently come. Obviously, that speaks to the value of the that you're providing. Yeah, I think that the best proof of the quality uh, of our students is that, you know, companies come recruit them on campus every year. The same companies, you know, they're recurring recruiters of our program. And then in terms of finding out about you, is there a website to go to or email or how should they do that? Yes. Reach out to us at uh, Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, M-M-R at uga.edu and our website is terry.uga.edu slash mmr 
Great. And I will be putting those links in the show notes so people can go to diggingforinsights.com and find those um, links there under this episode. Well, great. Well, this has been super informative. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts that you want to add for our audience today? I think that uh, the insights industries and marketing research industries is a growing um, uh, industry still. Uh, we, companies are always looking for analysts. Uh, imagine, you know, think about the, the amount of data that is available nowadays. Uh, in the past, the issue was data is expensive and how we're going to collect it. Nowadays, that's not the issue. So nowadays we have too much data and not enough capacity to analyze it. So I think there is still, you know, a lot of opportunities for potential students to that are interested in this career to get good jobs and have, um, you know, very rewarding careers. Great. Marcus, thank you so much for making time for our conversation today. As I mentioned before, we'll be posting uh, the show notes at diggingforinsights.com, and we hope to talk to later. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Stephen. That concludes my interview with Dr. Marcus Cunha, Jr. As I thought back about the conversation that I just had, there are a couple of takeaways that I had. I myself have gone to graduate school and felt that there were a few items that I used in order to make that final decision, and I'm going to talk about those four things. The four things are, one, the types of companies that recruit from that program. Two, what are the placement rates? What percent of students actually get a job within three months of graduation? Three, the salary range. And four, what kind of alumni network is available? In terms of the UGA MMR, I was impressed that they did recruit from and place a number of students in different industries. That includes uh, pharmaceuticals, quick serve restaurants, and utilities, just to name a few. Obviously, if you have a specific industry you're interested in, you might want to do more in-depth research in understanding specifically which companies recruit there and where you want to go. Number two, in terms of placement rates, it does seem like they have a 100% placement rate, which means they typically have more companies there than they have students available, which is a great position to be in as a student. Number three, the salary expectation is pretty good coming, uh, considering lots of people don't have a ton of work experience. Um, the salary ranges are 50 to 75,000. And finally, the UGA MMR does have a pretty good alumni network. Uh, they have multiple hundreds of alumni who are connected on LinkedIn in their group there. Another benefit to being an alumni of the UGA MMR is the opportunity to attend a summit, or in other words, a marketing research conference that's sponsored by the program. In fact, there's such a summit coming up this December, December 5th and 6th. During that time, they also have speakers from the research leads at Twitter, at Coca-Cola, and Ipsos, who will be there at the conference as well. And that will take place in Athens, Georgia. You can get more details from that at futureofinsights.com. I encourage you to leave a review in whatever podcast platform you're listening in, which allows other people to find this podcast as well. And finally, if you'd like to go back and see more details of the program, I have those in the show notes. Simply go to diggingforinsights.com slash four, the number four, since this is the fourth episode in this podcast. Until next time, I'm wishing you the best as you dig for insights that will grow your career and your business.